Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Salut tout le monde, bienvenue. Hey everybody, welcome. Hey, that was fun, right? That was fun. I am Marc Dumont. I will be your host right now. Andrew is not available, but for good reason. I'd love to show you the picture, but anyways, he's, he's out of surgery. He had his surgery, went successful. He lived. Uh, he's doing great, but we're giving him a little bit of a break here because with the kids and the games, it's a little bit much. And, you know, the surgery to get rid of part of his teeth. But he's doing healthy and he'll be back at one point, uh, you know, probably early March. In the meantime, you're stuck with me. But the good news is we have a great guest tonight, friend of the show, Ian Boivais, the managing editor of Rapid Habs. Also his podcast, The Build. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but in the meantime, get, get, get some ideas going because we had just a fun game overall. We're talking about guys like Justin Barron showing their worth. And, and that in particular is very important for the rebuild, just because he checks so many boxes. Raphael Hervé-Pinard continues to impress. How about Samuel Montalbo? Trizak, we're going to get into the chat in a moment, but I'm not going to trade Montalbo tonight. I don't know about Jake Allen, but we'll see. And uh, obviously, we have Jonathan Kovacevic, who's playing well. We also saw Nick Suzuki get off the schneid. And for those listening in English... Dan Robertson had the call. That was fun. I just like absolutely love Brian Mudrick, but it's just great to hear a familiar voice. So we're going to bring in our guest right after our cop, our ad copy. We're going to get to that right now. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Hockey season well underway. Pictures and catchers have reported, which always blows my mind that they report so early. But hey, man. Vacations over baseball is around the corner. You can bet pregame, live in play. There's a ton of prop bets. It's made by Canadians for Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, uh, Ian Boisvert. Uh, Ian, how's it going, buddy? Mark, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Now, that was fun, right? I know. Okay, listen, are you, first of all, are you team tank or are you team, it's okay for teams to win a game during a season? I, I, I believe that I'm on a spectrum between the two of those. I think I'm closer to team tank, you know, very close to pro tank, but like, I'm not going to let this win ruin my night. It was a good time, um, especially, you know, some of the, the banter going back and forth between Devils fans and Canadians fans on Twitter ahead of the game. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see any fun. of that, but I know Devils fans can be pretty uh, passionate, just like Habs fans, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a. It leads to a very um, uh, combustible environment. Oh, okay. uh, a very so, civil discourse, I'm sure. Naturally, always. <laughs> so there you go, and that, that, this is funny because I always kind of tag it Team Tank and Team, you know, realistic. <laughs> but there are multitudes between it. Canadians fans contain multitudes. You can be a little bit up and down, and tonight. I think, first of all, shout out to the show, uh, to the fans. No, not shout out to the show, to the fans. We have all our regulars in here tonight, my favorite people. Uh, if you have any questions, don't hesitate. I think we have to start off by saying, you know, a lot of people say it's not New Jersey's best game. I think they were actually quite good. Realistically, this was all Samuel Montembeau. How impressive has he been this year? Yeah, it's really been, you know, especially the second half of the year, he's sort of had to carry a lot of the burden. With Jake Allen going down with injury, he kind of hasn't let off the gas at all from that point on. Um, he was fantastic. I thought, you know, some of the saves that he was making, he was kicking out a few rebounds and it didn't, he didn't look particularly, um, you know, steady at the, at the onset of the game. But 
he he picked up steam as it went on. He he looked virtually unbeatable by the end of it. Um, they needed a really sloppy one at the end of the the third period to beat him a second time. Uh, he was fantastic, and and like you said, I, I thought the Devils played a decent game. Yeah. It just seemed like every time they made a mistake, the Canadians capitalized on it. We've talked about the lack of Canadians' prospects in terms of goalies right now. Actually, there's Jacob Dobesh, which I really don't think people should sleep on. Like He's having a fantastic year. If you look at his stats year to year, they're a little bit down, but he's the only reason Ohio State's a top 10 ranked uh, team. But let's just ignore that and, and come back to something a little more short term. Is Samuel Montembeau a goalie of the future? He's certainly, I mean, he's not, goaltenders typically age a little bit slower. They, they, they come of age a little bit, um, you know, longer than most NHL players mm-hmm. do. Um, I, I don't, it's tough to tell. I, I like the approach that, that Kent Hughes is going at it with. He, he mentioned it in one of his last press availabilities that he's not going to trade him. You know, they've, they look at Montembeau and they see a young goaltender and they want to see how this plays out. Um, they've got him, I think, under contract for one more year after this one. And then he's an RFA. So he's still just one million. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really clean contract. It's, it's a good problem to have if you're the Canadians who, like you said, they don't have, they don't have a, uh, you know, a Carter Hart in their system, so to speak, somebody who came up and knowing full well they were going to be the starting goaltender of their franchise by the time they were NHL ready. They don't have one of those. Um, Jakob Dobish, like you said, is is probably the, the closest thing the Canadians might have to that. And even then, he might be two, three years away from playing, you know, any NHL minutes. Um, I know Frederick Dishow, the gnome, uh, he, he has a similar-esque sort of, pedigree he's massive for one which is always good when it comes to goalies because it's just a a much smaller net to shoot at but they don't have a sure thing and even sure things as far as goaltenders go aren't sure things it's it's a very um volatile position to uh to analyze past past one season you know there are who would have thought that sam montembeau would have been this a year ago right you know who's to say what he's going to be next year so it's it i'm the canadians are keeping their options open they are just sitting back and watching this play out, which they ought to. I I feel I feel really good for Montembeau because he yep. last year was a terrible, rotten, no good year for him, and well, this I, year has been almost the complete opposite. And I think we have to give him some credit for last year, by the way, because it's I mean, right? He needed surgery. Let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. The entire season he needed surgery, so we kind of held that off. I think the Canadians kind of owe him a little extra leash now since. He played so well. Like, you know, in the chat, for example, I'm getting checked here, which I get it by Noel. Um, or is it Noel? I never figured that out. When I talk about goalie of the future, I'm talking about, let's say, for the next three to four to five years. I'm not talking about a franchise goalie or anything like that. But as Ian right. mentioned right at the start, goalies peak later. Like, it's a statistical fact. So them coming to their own at 26 is perfectly normal. You know, Jordan Bennington, so et cetera. Well, I mean, he never matured past being a baby, but he's a really good goalie <laughs> at times. So, um, you know, I always take it with a grain of salt when there's bad years. Obviously, you want to see more from guys like Primo, but what Montembeau is doing now with a questionable defense, the Canadians allow 15 high-danger shots per game. You can't not give them that opportunity. You know, it, it, would, it would be a bad sign, I think, for the entire team. But in the meantime... Did you trade Jake Allen? <laughs> Sorry, I lied and I said I wouldn't trade him until the third segment, but we're jumping right into it. 
<laughs> I I just I have a hard time believing that there's going to be that large of a market for someone like Jake Allen. And I don't mean that to say like that he's a bad goaltender. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I think he plays behind a very poor defensive hockey team. You know, as yeah. I could have said for Montembeau, you know, Montembeau's stats have been fantastic this season as far as goals saved above expected. The same can't be said for Jake Allen. And I think a lot of that is because, as you said, they give up 15 high danger chances a game. It's not sustainable. Usually in the first period, too. Yeah, especially in Jake Allen games. It seems like they're at the 40 mark by the time that the the second period's over. Um, So, I mean, if you could find a market for him, I I, I guess I have a hard time finding, you know, seeing teams that that would, you know, pony up assets for a goaltender who – hasn't really been all that strong this year. I could be wrong. The NHL is a weird place. That's the, that's what I like. Cause it's, we're talking about general managers here, not necessarily, right. you know, general managers will say Jake Allen has a Stanley cup ring, even though like statistically speaking, if you have one ring, there are very little odds you'll ever get a second, but uh, <laughs> you never know. So first of all, shout out to the chat. Um, we have actually, someone was, was, was very nice with James Mahoney. How's it going, James? He says I'm the best. So clearly, that's family. How's it going? This must be my, my, my mother pretending to be James Mahoney. But welcome to the chat and uh, welcome everyone else. We're glad to have you, the Montreal Canadiens. Just beat the high-flying New Jersey Devils. And a big part of that was uh, the opening goal by Justin Barron. I, I, I think Justin Barron is crucial for this development, almost more than guys like Kid and Gooley. And shout out to Paper Dolls, Kay in our chat. She's going to be upset I said that. Cooley Nation's still strong, but Justin Barron shoots in the right, puck retrieval, quick in transition, good on the power play. These are things we lack on the roster. So what's your overview of Justin Barron and especially the time he sent in Laval? I feel like that's become a, a quite a positive for him. Yeah, he you know, going to Laval, you get to sort of um, grow a bit out of the spotlight coming into Montreal, regardless of the you know, the expectations that were on this team this season, they were already very low. Every player that's on this team is under a microscope at all times to be, to give that player an opportunity to go down to Laval, play a bunch, you know, just, just learn how to play the professional game. He hasn't played that much in, in, you know, the American hockey league or the national hockey league up until this season. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think a big part of it too is it seems like when they came back from the all-star break, um, they just they flip the switch and the defense just seems way more active. They seem like they're jumping up and plays more often. He's a huge benefactor of that. Jordan Harris has looked fantastic. Yeah. We saw Jonathan Kovacevic get into it today. Yes. Like the that when you look when you look at all that, and then you also see a guy like Lane Hudson showing up potentially next season, potentially after that. You you see that they're trying to build a defense that leaves the the old way they used to build defense in the past um where it belongs they they're they getting these guys to play more you know up tempo hockey is going to improve their play dramatically on both ends of the ice um so to circle back on what that meant for justin Barron, he's able to jump up in the rush he scored his first goal recently he scored this one was a very similar play i hope that becomes a hallmark of his his offensive ability um and it, it's it's nice to see him coming into his own, especially because the Canadians traded a, a fan favorite in, in Artery Lekkinen for him. Um, it's nice to see that finally starting to pay off. And I hope that this is just an upward trajectory from here. And the other 
strong part is you have someone from Nova Scotia on the team, which is was just, I, I've come to the realization after almost four decades on this planet that the more Nova Scotia, the better, right? So we had Dan <laughs> Robinson calling Justin Barron's goal tonight. That worked out well. And we also have, uh, well, we have an East Coaster in the, in the, in the chat. So Trinka83, I say Maritimes a lot. Do I, should I stop saying, I feel like East Coasters or Blue Nosers are like, why would you ever say Maritimes? But I enjoy the term Maritimes. Okay, to get away from um, the game tonight, we have actually a question from the chat here from Colin McDonald. He's asking if Montreal ends up top five. So let's say in this scenario, Connor Bedal surprisingly goes first and uh, Anthem Adam Fantilli goes second. So let's just say you have the pick of the litter of the rest. By judging by tonight, because, you know, you saw a team that was missing a few key elements despite the win. Who would you go for? Who, who, who would fit best in this organization? I, I talked about this a few weeks ago on, on my show, The Build, um, where, you know, I, I predicted a, a scenario where the Canadians don't pick, you know, they pick right at the edge of that top five. And I don't think that this is what the, the current Canadians administration would do. But I, I think I would go with Matt Vemichkov if mm. he's still available at five. Um exactly. Yet, yes, you're not going to get him in a year. You're not going to get him in two years. So probably get him in that third year. He could buy it. There is a way that he can buy himself out of his KHL contract, but that's not likely. But it doesn't matter because he is, you know, one he other than Bedard, he might be the most dynamic forward in this draft um, from everything that I've read and understood. So if I'm picking five, I'm going to swing for the fences and then maybe go safe with the Florida pick. Um but that's just that that would be me and I'm not in charge of the team for good reason. Let's keep in mind Michkov. I mean when you say he he other than Bedal is the most talented, that's hands down in my opinion. And I'd even argue in the last few years he would go first in almost like like this guy obviously the Russian factor is there but on pure talent uh, he, you know, keep in mind at 18 years old, very tough to produce in the KHL, very tough to produce. Yeah. It's not just the skill of competition. Trust coach, coaches just don't trust young players and especially if they have a risk a flight risk of going to north america you know there can be some issues we're talking about eight goals six assists in 24 games that is almost unheard of that like that's way more than ovechkin was producing you know around that age so i'm with you on that one michkov has that elite talent that the canadians miss when you look at the, this roster if you include caulfield what are they missing that game-breaking talent Leo Carlson's going to be quite good, and I like what I see from Zach Benson, um, Will Smith, but I'm with you. Mishkov is worth it, and and even if they have to wait, even if they have to wait a few years, I don't see that as a significant negative. In, in fact, you know, you're delaying a whole bunch of things that might work out uh, long term for the uh, for the Canadians. So. Okay, I'm getting the lesson on the on the <laughs> on the Maritimes thing. There's always. <laughs> it's like telling them there's a storm. They go out and buy chips. You ask them about the Maritimes, we get the answers. Um, Maritimes is PI Nova Scotia in New Brunswick, or as Rocksmaster says, No Funswick. And Atlantic provinces is all of them. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, how does Labrador fit in there, though? Aha, see? <laughs> Just messed everything up. Okay, so I would like to get back on track for this game, Ian, because uh, there was a lot to like in particularly... Uh, in particular, in particular, from Raphael Arvipinal, we're seeing him and Josh Anderson provide that kind of one-two intense punch. What's the future for him? Because I, I mean, I don't see him on the top line, but hey, man, he's proving 
like that he, he belongs there and there's not a single challenge that he hasn't met and absolutely decimated so you know what do, what do you think Rafael Pinal fits with this team yeah it's challenging I don't I don't it, you know on a fully healthy Canadians team with with you know new new players coming into the roster I, I don't know that I see Rafael Harvey Pinard on the top line maybe he's a second line winger um but if he's a third line energy guy like I, I don't that's a that's still a home run for the Canadians. He was right. a, seventh, a seventh round draft pick. Like we're we're in, we're laughing if he turns into that sort of player. Um, but in in the meantime, like you you feel you got to feel good for players who um, organizationally you see you know a player in like like Joel Teasdale in in uh, Laval at the moment. He's got to be looking at this going like if I get my shot, they're going to give me a fair shake at this. Um, you know, Jesse Ullinen is on the fourth line. Yes. But he's also getting power play minutes, and he's looked pretty good. He had a fantastic assist in this game mm-hmm. um, on the Kovacevic goal. There, the the Canadians are making it known that if you get called up, you're not just going to be you're not going to play nine minutes, and then you know we'll send you back to Laval in a week. Like they want to see these players perform. Now it doesn't hurt that Harvey Bernard has ten points in thirteen NHL games, which yeah. won't won't be something he sustains over the course of his career. But it's still a great story nonetheless. Yeah, well, as Trezak mentions here, I mean, you know, he could literally have like five games in the NHL. That's a great, like statistically speaking, that is fantastic for a seventh round pick. And, you know, I can't think of very many in the Canadians organization. Actually, Jake Evans would be another seven. He was drafted 212th yeah. overall. I think Rafael Pinal was 211. But just getting anything out of that is great. And, and I think it speaks a little bit to the development, right? To go back on what you talked about, Rafael Harvey Pinal was ready when he got here. Alex Belzil was ready when he got here. Justin Barron was ready when he got here. So is that an encouraging step for the Laval Rocket? Because we, we can throw flowers at Joel Bouchard all we want. The players weren't ready when they got up here. Let's be perfectly honest. Right. Now we're seeing that. That must be an encouraging uh, step for the Canadians. Yeah, and and you know the, at the I remember at the beginning of the season we were starting to question whether or not any of that was going to happen. That the Laval at the beginning of the season kind of stunk. Um, they're putting it together Wait. a little bit here and there without their uh, star players. Kind of, like that's right because they're they're up playing in Montreal and they've had injury issues of their own. They've been drawing from the ECHL, um, the Lions, the entire year. <laughs> so you know all of that on top of they they're having they're having the coaching staff teach them a new system so that. When they come up, they are ready. It's sort of like the Penguins model, how they play the same system in their minor league affiliate so that guys like Jake Gensel, when they make the jump from the AHL, they are in full stride already. Um, it's not, you know, very, it's not a jarring change to go from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins to the NHL Penguins, you know, overnight. That was all, it always seemed like a challenge for players to get called up. That's why the players, you know, in Montreal that we that we tout as development successes, they never spent any time in the AHL. Gallagher never played much oh. there. He played a few games during the lockout well, year. Yeah, it was Lekin yeah. entirely skipped it. Yeah. Lekin entirely skipped that. Um, Jake Evans was one of the few that made it out of there. But, you know, there's not a ton of successes from back then. We're starting to see that change, which is a real a real positive. I'm sure Adam Nicholas has his fingerprints all over it. Um but it's it's encouraging to see. Raphael Harvey Pernard is hopefully not the last one of these that we see. Yeah, well, I mean, especially with the the, the influx of players that are about to hit, right? Like we're talking about development, yeah. but you mentioned that Gallagher, he was the success story for Sylvain Lafayette. And that was again, he would have never been in the AHL if not for the lockout. So you're going ten years without developing a single player. I, I can't 
exaggerate how much that put the Canadians back in terms of just everything, right? So great news because I feel like Ul really didn't get much of a fair shake. Everybody loved Bouchard, but a lot like me talked a lot, but not a lot of content was coming out, right? So I'm glad to see a guy that's maybe a little more reserved. Maybe he's not as bombastic, but he has guys ready. And like you say, just, I mean, the Penguins obviously have the Crosby cheat code, but seeing guys right. come and produce, like it's so tough to produce in the fourth line. I personally, I hate it because it's setting up a prospect to fail. Um, you know, because even veterans struggle in the fourth line, but he didn't just play well there. He dominated there. And now I, I feel like Anderson almost has to match his energy, but that's not to say Anderson's been bad. How about Josh Anderson? Ian, he's, he's been, this... he looks like a man like on a mission, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, in the the last few games, offensively, he's been really strong. I thought this game he was terrific at both ends of the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was he, I think it was in the second period. He was out on the penalty kill, and he absolutely just stole a one timer yep. away from the Devils and dumped it, which likely saved a goal. Um, you know, I, I think that when Josh Anderson is playing his best, he's moving north south. This game was full of that. For whatever reason, the Canadians got more odd man rushes tonight than they probably did all season. Right? It, it was a, it was it was a track meet of a hockey game, which is it's fun to watch, and it's the kind of game that Josh Anderson excels in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know folks want you know they want to try to see him get moved at this year's deadline. I don't know how one the appetite for the Canadians doesn't seem to be there they, unless they get like a king's ransom. They're not really, they're not they're not one. They, they don't want to do it unless they absolutely get an offer they can't say no to. And I just think that there's a lot of teams who, who would like to make that trade, but the salary doesn't make sense. A Josh Anderson deal, to me, has always made more sense at the draft. There's tons of movement. Yeah. There's, you know, you can you can trade a bunch of draft capital to get them. You can go 10% over the salary cap and then try to figure it out as the season, as the offseason goes on. Um, he was fantastic. And it's it's only good news for the Canadians if he plays like that, whether it's, you know, in seeing that top line continue to flourish even without Brendan Gallagher or, you know, his, his trade stock going up. And when you talk about trade value, I think to me personally, and I, I, I know I'm known for wanting to trade everyone, Trizak, I can see you, uh, but I think the perceived value of Josh Anderson is actually way more than his actual value. If I'm being perfectly honest, every single oh, GM, yeah. I swear to God, at the, at the, <laughs> the GM board of governors, they all get together and chant about, Josh Anderson, like how amazing he is and how much they want to have him on their team because he kind of fits that prototypical power forward, right? So yeah, I, I, I point to two things to why I think there should be a trade. Um, one, let's be perfectly honest, this production has only come up when half the team is injured and playoffs are out of reach. Now, we can argue about that all day long, but you want to see more production when games matter. Um, and right. two, I don't think his value will ever be higher than it is right now. Um, we talk about maximizing assets, asset value. To me, this is to do that. You actually have to trade players while they still have some value to capitalize on that little bit of a inflated perceived value around the league. So, you know, I, I, I know teams are calling about Anderson and I know people said that Hughes isn't picking up the calls, but he is. Let's just be perfectly honest. He'd be crazy not to. Um, what, yeah. what, do you, what would you take for, for him, though? Like a decent first round pick and it gets it done or? Yeah, maybe you kick in a, a guy who was drafted in the in the, the you know fourth fifth round. Like a B prospect. You, you, yeah, you probably got to add a salary to make it work too. Like I, I in all honesty, 
I think the Tampa Bay Lightning would be an awesome fit just because they're going to play Toronto in the first round, and Anderson seems to eat that team alive. Right. Um, that would be, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they, they get, you know, they have all this salary cap wizardry just about every year. I don't know how they pull that kind of move off. But they're willing to make moves, right? That's the key part. Yeah. They're willing to make those big moves. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Montreal's probably not in a position where they want to retain any salary. It's a long deal. There's a lot of time left on it. Um, I, I do think that there's a possibility the Canadians maybe get get involved in you know, eating salary in another deal, just like we saw the Minnesota Wild do in that Ryan O'Reilly trade. Because with long-term injured reserve, they have about four and a half cap four and a half million dollars in cap space that might not all be there at the end of the season, depending on when players come back, like Sean Monahan, like Brandon Gallagher. Um, If those guys come back, it's still, there's still massive question marks. We have no idea what's going on with those guys. Um, But, you know, there are, there are going to be ways where the Canadians can add value at this deadline, even if it's not a Josh Anderson going out. We heard from um, Arpin Basu, uh, he was on TSN, and uh, he mentioned the Canadians were actually in on the O'Reilly thing. They were going to facilitate mm-hmm. the trade with some cap space. Unfortunately, the injuries prevented that, but cap space is their weapon going into the deadline. So I'm with you. I don't think they'll retain on long-term or anything, but short-term, I think that's where they really want to you know, maximize yeah. their, their greatest asset. Hello to the chat. Hey, Thomas, how's it going? Um, James mentions Carolina could absorb that contract, and that wouldn't surprise me, but I heard... Carolina's looking for a defenseman. So if they're going to move, they might go to a defenseman there. Um, yeah, oh, hey, yeah, there you go. I just caught up to the part where uh, Kate Paper Dolls already said the thing about Arpin. So thank you for that. Uh, we also had someone that was at the game. Who was at the game tonight? I already lost my link. Yeah, anyways, shout out for being at the game. Was it... Uh, I'm great at not... Oh, maybe they deleted their message. Either way, fun game to watch. What do you do... What do you say to fans that get upset when the Canadians win a game? Especially, let's be honest, against the Devils. Like, you, you, this is one of the most yeah. the best constructed teams I've seen in a long time. For some weird reason, tonight they didn't quite have it together, but Motambo was dominant. What do you What do you say to fans that are like, this is absolutely ruining the moment? Is there any value to these wins? I I think Kent Hughes said it best. He said these you know wins only help us to a certain extent. Losses only help us to a certain extent. Um, I, I'm a believer that, you know, winning culture is important. I know people laugh at that idea. I don't think that them, you know, bottoming out this season is going to, I don't think them bottoming out this season is going to destroy that culture though. I think that culture is, is, is Marty. It's Adam Nicholas. It's Mary Philippe Boulain. It's surrounding them with winners. Um, ultimately, I think it just comes down to like, there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Like I, like as much as it would be nice to have the best odds going into it, there's nothing we can do about any of this. There's the, the even if they bottom out and they somehow finish the season in last place, there's still a 75% chance that they do not pick first overall. Yeah. Like I think people look at last year and they saw Montreal win that lottery and we've kind of tricked ourselves into believing that finishing that. dead yeah. last is a guarantee. Mm. And it's not. Like that was last year they had even I if I believe they had even lower odds. I think it was closer to 20%. Now it's they bumped it up but they only have the first two picks being lotteried off um there's just nothing we can do about it right like i don't think that this team i'm not going to say that they don't need Connor bedard every team needs Connor bedard like he's going to come into the league ready to to put up a massive amount of points on an entry-level deal any team could deal with that um but one Connor bedard does not a rebuild make like it's it's not going to be it's not going to be something that like 
okay, we have Connor Bedard, we're Stanley Cup contenders immediately. And in the same sense, it's they're they're going to build a team around quality hockey players. You know, everyone says, oh, you, you know, all of these teams that win Stanley Cups have first overall picks on them. Yeah, and Montreal has one of those. His name's Gary Slavkovsky. I know he's not playing right now, but he's that guy. Um, you know, you can make arguments about, you know, it was a weak draft year, all you want. He's still that guy. Um, so I, I, like, I'm at a point with this team where if they win, sick, they won. That's really cool. I like seeing this team win. If they lose, cool. The tank gets a little bit better. But like, if you look down in the standings, like a lot of the teams that shouldn't be winning right now are winning. Look at Arizona's red hot right now. Um, I don't know how they pulled it off, but they are. Which is, yeah, well, I, it's funny. I looked at the roster the other day and I was like a bunch of Buds Flippets and Mark, uh, like guys I just didn't, <laughs> yeah. didn't recognize in the roster. Yeah. Now, to put home that point, I know it's a WHL, but Regina is not going to make the playoffs last I checked. And this is where Connor Bedal is putting up 105 points and like he's almost at two and a half points per game. So you're right in the sense that one Connor Bedal does not a remake, uh, you know, rebuild make. However, I think everyone else is going to say this. Yeah, he's damn good. Okay. He's like, when we talked about Tim Turk, to Tim Turk, the shooting coach, he said, like, this guy is almost reinventing how we have to teach guys to shoot. So, yeah, it would be great. But as we talked to earlier uh, about early in the show, almost a historic year for forwards. Like, even if you're not in the top five, you're looking at guys like um, 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 Will Smith or. Um, I'm also forgetting his name. But, anyways, you know, there's talent right outside in that, like, four, five, six range, so or Zach Benson or something along those lines. Um, yeah. We're going to, oh yeah, by the way, it was all gas, no gassy, that was at the, uh, was at the Devils game, which emptied out a little early. Hey, like, Devils fans should be, they've been pretty intense this year, eh? booing their teams, even though, you know, they're, I, I like it, they're excited for the future, so that's always fun to see. Um, we have a... Yeah, okay, so as Pibertal says here, it feels like some people have written off the year. I, I mean, I kind of wrote it off in terms of development, or sorry, in terms of past standings, but there's things to look at development-wise. How are you feeling about some of these young players? Because the shine kind of wore off, Ian. Um, we're looking at down the grind, the stretch. We're seeing yeah. guys are injured, guys are falling to the wayside. Who, out of all the young players, has impressed you most to this point? I, I think it, it's it's got to be Kirby Doc. For me, I knew he was going to be good. I think I kind of laughed at the idea that he would, you know, be a 55 point point player. You know, people people said that at the beginning of the year. I kind of set expectations a little bit lower than that. But he's been phenomenal. He's he's wildly outplayed my expectations for him. Um, and to do it, you know, not only on the wing with with Caulfield and Suzuki, but to drive Ever. his own line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's he 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 is a self um, you know a self driving machine here. He doesn't. Obviously, playing with better players makes him a good player, but he's a good player in his own right. Um, you know, so I, I, I think the answer's got to be Kirby Doc. Kind of knew Caden Gooley was going to play well. I mean, he's not this well, of course. Like he's he was fantastic before his injury. Um, and I, I, you know, I've I've been if I could pound on Marty St. Louis' door to put to have him put Harris on the power play, I would. Uh-huh. He's um, who I had in mind is Jordan Harris. <laughs> yeah. He's been fin- he's been fantastic, and I think you know as I mentioned earlier, the fact that they're activating their defense a little bit more is going to play into his strengths particularly well. Yeah, because he is probably the most intelligent player on the roster. Well, like you have Nick Suzuki's up there, but Jordan Harris, the way he anticipates, the way he processes the game, 
is, I would argue, kind of elite. Um, you know, yeah. almost to the point that it's kind of ridiculous. Martin Saint Louis hasn't made a lot of mistakes, but I'm with you on the power play thing because if we go back, not as last year, but the year before that Northeastern, I mean, I think he led the league in defensive defenseman scoring. Um, you know, he, he was fantastic. He was the power play quarterback. So I actually see Barron. And uh, Barron has the shot, but Harris has that mobility, the ability to open up passing lanes. I see those two guys as, as right now, based on who they have, the future of the, uh, of the um, you know, the power play. And, and it's encouraging to see because it won't all be on Lane, Lane Hudson, you know, going forward. But yeah. let's talk about that. You mentioned earlier, maybe one more year. Did you really think that Lane Hudson would be able to jump into the NHL next year? I, I mean, from an offensive standpoint, I don't think he really has anything else to prove. Um, it would just be, you know, sending him back down with the idea of him getting stronger defensively. Um, but from what I've read, you know, it, it seems like his, his defense has come a long way. Um, he's not the biggest player. I mean, I know that we all joke about him. Yeah, having he grows that letter, every week. But... He's, he's like, he's going yeah, an every... inch every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going to be eight, eight foot nine by right. the time the, the training camp rolls around. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that they're not in any rush to bring him into the NHL. Usually, you know, a player like him would get brought in with the expectation that, you know, we're bringing you in so you can burn a year off of your entry-level deal, just like they did with Cole Caulfield and they did with um, Ryan Paling. Like they're going to you know. do with Sean Farrell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a, an excellent example of that. Um, I, I just I, I just wonder if he's best served going back there and playing one more year. There's no rush to get him over here. Um, obviously they're going to decide what's best for the player. Maybe what's best is having him here working with Adam Nicholas every day. Who knows? Uh, um, I, I would like, like to see it. I, I really like Lane Hudson. I, he's the, he's the prospect on this team that I have had absolutely no luck in controlling my excitement over. Like he's just, he's every, every time, every time, you know, you log on to Twitter, you see that he's doing something that hasn't right. been done since Kale McCarr and Adam Fox. Like it's, it's exciting. I, I was just going over his numbers for the, I do uh, the prospect power ranking. So it's not like a long-term thing. It's just short-term and his, his numbers this week is a goal and an assist in two games. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of a disappointing week for Lane Hudson, <laughs> you know, like point per game yeah. disappointing for Lane Hudson. I think obviously defensively positioning, there's a lot to work on. I don't see the issue of him staying an extra year, but when you mention Adam, one of the things at development camp, I had a chance, like he was, Lane Hudson was the guy that caught my eye. I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of time to prepare uh, for the draft, so I was kind of learning on the go. And when I spoke to Adam, we almost just grunted. I'm like, what about that Hudson? He's like, ah, and I'm like, ugh. And then we just started grunting at each other. Like we turned into cavemen, <laughs> but we were so excited, like, ooh, ah, Hudson, that, you know, and as a skills coach, I asked him about the skating and whatnot. He's like, man, you know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna carve out a sculpture and, and granite, I want a build big building block he has the talent he has the intelligence we can work on that you know what i mean like it's not a big deal to fine-tune his uh skill because he's so smart so for that for those worried about you know rushing him or anything obviously i think an extra year is good but worst case scenario uh wouldn't be the worst thing and i like the point you bring up to work with adam okay we have a okay so we have ghoulie nation baron empire and all that so we need one for 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 harris hold on let's get we have um, Harris Fiefdom, no, Harris Hamlet. Harris Hamlet, I like that. Harris Coalition. Sounds like a little, co mm, sounds a little political for my liking. Yeah, uh, a little bit. What else do we have here? <laughs> Harris for Harris, that's good too. Okay, we're gonna have to think of a better one, but Jordan Harris deserves his own intense, obsessed 
fan club in my opinion and for those that didn't get a chance to see the chat he spoke with um Mika Guerri and Georges Larac, uh, the Montreal Canadiens produced this video, uh, really well done. Mika did such a great job directing the conversation and just listening to Jordan Harris speak. Beyond an athlete, he's a person we can learn from. Like he's an old soul, but geez, he's wise yeah. in, in current, current, you know, um, up to date references in life. He's one of the few that has spoken at length about situations that aren't always comfortable to speak about. So I'm a big fan yeah. of Jordan Harris on and off the ice okay they sorry no they, they decided <laughs> okay noel says harris hamlet but i like this one from Rem, remily um harrisburg <laughs> just because harrisburg there you for, go for, yeah, close, yeah. Not, I like for close to montreal harrisburg uh you know there's upper state new york it's it's made famous from the cowboy Frangasha song welcome to plattsburg all right so oh kirk here i'm gonna show it kirk kirk is a big lease fan yeah, Habs are lame. I know, I know, Kirk. They're lame. The Leafs are great until they lose one period and have a complete meltdown and try to redefine their lives because they sunk their entirety of their soul and their destiny and their hopes and their dreams and their love in a team that will never win again. But how's it going? <laughs> Welcome to the chat. Okay, so let's move on to the rest of the schedule. Um, Ian, have you looked at their March schedule? Because I have. Yeah, I just broke it down a little bit on the latest episode of the build. It's um, it's a gauntlet. It's it's going to be very very difficult for them to come out the other side in, oh in one piece. They play, I think, eleven or no, it's sixteen times in, in or fifteen times in thirty days. We also have um, every single team except for three, I believe, in our playoff position. They're going up against like some of the best teams. I know I was getting mocked a little bit today, and I deserve it. I deserve to get mocked for many things, but for the strength of schedule thing. But statistically speaking, the Canadians are actually in a pretty good, like for everyone worried about the tank, pretty good spot to pick four, five, six. It's going to be impossible yeah. to catch. Actually, everyone's sleeping on Columbus and uh, Anaheim, but statistically, they're actually having worse underlying seasons than Chicago. Either way, those three... I was going to say those three terrors, but those three terrible teams can't be touched... Vancouver is playing better. San Jose is playing better. Arizona is actually surprisingly playing better. So pretty decent odds going down the um, going down the stretch. Okay, yeah, the chat decided it's uh, it's going to be Harrisburg. I, I think we're all you're the Harrisburg. Yeah. So you're the you're the mayor of Harrisburg then. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I just look at him as a guy that can retrieve pucks that plays well, and him and Kovacevic have been the Canadians' best yeah. pairing this year. Like. Mm-hmm. They're the new Kulak and, and, and Petrie, but they're both Kulaks because yeah. I think they're underrated. Um, do you see that pairing being something you can work on in the future, or is Kovacevic really a band-aid move? I, I hope Kovacevic isn't a band-aid move. I think we have a tendency to look at waiver claims as just like, oh, they're just here to fill a roster spot for now until someone else um, bigger and better comes along. This is Kovacevic's rookie season. Um, you know, his underlying numbers have looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know him. Him and Harris as a pairing have been fantastic, but Kovacevic stands out in his own right. As Even when he's not with really, Harris, yeah, yeah, it, just as a really steady defenseman. Um, I've enjoyed watching them. I think I think he fits the mold of what the Canadians are trying to do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kovacevic to me fits like you know the 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 new wave of hockey where you know all of his underlying numbers look particularly strong. 
But then also he's like massive, so like your random uncle will also like him because he's big and right? pushes guys out from <laughs> the front of the net. So he kind of like he's a crowd pleaser. Like I, I I genuinely enjoy watching him play, and it's just you know you go back to that time of the season where I forget who it was. It was it Valimaki out of um, Calgary was also on waivers, and everyone was was hounding mm-hmm. on the Canadians to pick him up, and they go out and get Kovacevic instead, and it's like I don't who's this guy. Um, and he's he's played really really well this year, so that's ex- it's exciting. I hope he's not a throwaway. Um, but with that said, like things are going to get really really congested on that on that blue line really fast. Mm-hmm. We are looking at it's not just the players that are there, and they're all young, right? That's the other part of it. Yeah, but I do love the part that he passes the uh, mon oncle test for those in French. <laughs> that's uncle test. That's your uncle that drinks la batte cinquante. That the, always the first guy that's drunk at every Christmas. And he loves, oh, so yeah, he passes both <laughs> tests. And you know what? He's actually like just a genuine, he's like a golden retriever of a human. Like Jonathan Kovacevic is intelligent and he's nice. And I, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy you want to go fishing with. You know what I mean? Like he passes the, passes the fishing test and he passes, passes the Mononc test. So that is, uh, yeah. And also that he plays on the right, as James Mahoney mentions, I mean, that was the main reason they picked him up, right? Is they basically right. said, we will grab anyone with a pulse. But they ended up getting, Matheson's been good, but their most reliable defenseman, health included, has been Jonathan Kovacevic, which is yeah. just fantastic to see that you don't have to put the money or time into development and you still get them. And hey, the flame, the, like Jets fans are happy for him too. They're not doing any worse for wear. So that worked out uh, quite well, quite well. Yeah. All right, so... We're going to wrap up in just one moment um, because, obviously, there's a lot coming up here. We're going to see the Montreal Canadiens against the Philadelphia Flyers coming up. Um, we're, what do you want to see in the next few games from, from guys like Jesse Yulin and um, Alex Belzil? Is there time left in the season to, for them to really kind of you know, notch, their, uh, notch their spot in this team? I don't know. I mean, I, I think they've done an admirable job in the position that they've been in. I thought, like, you know, Michael Pozzetta gets an A for effort just about every night. Um, he made a couple of really nice plays tonight, just knocking pucks off guys' sticks. Um, you know, Ulinen's really the only one on there that I think has has long-term potential with this team, just given, you know, his age and his play style. Um, I'd like to see Ulinen move up a little bit in the lineup, maybe you know, after the trade deadline, maybe a couple bodies are moved out and there a room is a space is made for him. Um, but for now, I mean, they're, they're playing for, you know, NHL jobs, whether that's here or, or elsewhere. And there's no, there's no shame in that. Like, I think Bill played a, a really big part in solidifying that fourth line, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> making it so that we're not playing 11 forwards and seven defensemen every night. Um, it, it, it wears on the rest of the lineup when you can't roll four lines. There were moments late in this game um, where they were still rolling the fourth line out there, even though right. New Jersey was really pressing after they got back within two. Um, I noticed that they, they were still rolling. Yes. Ulanen out there. So the fourth line is still out there in key moments. Um, they're, they're playing for NHL jobs. I hope they get them somewhere. I hope that it's in Montreal. Maybe they find the space for them. Yeah, well, that would be fantastic. But as Kay mentions, we're looking at a playoff run here. Are, are we anticipating Laval wanting them back? Yes. And they are in the hunt for the playoffs because every single team in the HL makes the playoffs. 23 teams make the playoffs. And it's a little nuts the way they do it. So one division gets seven. The next division gets, no, six, five, seven. Anyways, it's the AHL. And then the first round is the best two out of three. Then you go three out of five. 
and then you do a dance, you do a jig to see who gets a chair, and the person <laughs> that gets a chair moves on to the next round. Either way, yeah. it's actually impressive that Laval has been doing, again, as we spoke about earlier, Jean-François Hull deserves some big props. All right, so we're going to go ahead and end it here. Fantastic game all around. Justin Barron, Jonathan Kovacevic. The great part here is that we're seeing guys that uh, wouldn't have had an opportunity, uh, you know, getting their, their, their chance, Rafael Harvey-Pinard, for example. But we also saw Nick Suzuki score, and... To me, Ian, that's important because we're seeing him not necessarily have to drive the train, and that's what he's had to do all year. Um, are you worried about Nick Suzuki's last little slump, per se? No, because I think, you know, context is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's it's been a tough go for him just because of how much he's being asked to do on a regular basis. Like, the scoring is going to be there. I'm not worried about him just forgetting how to score overnight. It's just like he's being asked to 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 go out there against every team's top opponents and mm-hmm. also penalty kill and do that all in front of a defense who has a hard time moving the puck out of their zone, um, you know, or a goaltender who on occasion can let in one that doesn't deserve to go in, you know. So th- there's there are a lot of other factors to Suzuki's game than just his his goal scoring. Statistically, the, you know, the people the players on this team they're all going to look pretty bad yep. in one respect. It's not, it's a, it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad hockey team. And it's weird that people are surprised like that, that their underlying numbers look rough. They get, they get caved in a lot of the time in, in <laughs> shots and expected goals. Like the, as much as like, we've kind of all love started to love the players on this team and, and, you know, grow a fondness for them. It's not a good hockey team. Like no. the, the, the fact that Suzuki, you know, is, is doing what he is doing at the moment is perfectly reasonable for me. Now, when they're, when they're, when they flip that switch and they're going to start going for it again, if he, if he goes on those long scoring droughts, it's going to be a little bit of a different story, mm-hmm. but I just, I, you know, I'll, I'll worry about things twice or once. I'm not going to do it twice. He's, he's fine. The, the, the situations that he's being deployed in are massively um, underplayed at the moment. If you're a coach game planning, you basically put a red circle around Suzuki and you're like, all right, guys, like let's let's break and go to Red Lobster before before the game, you know. Like it's it's you're right. His he's facing a ton of uh, of difficult assignments and shutdown experts, and and I feel like at one point he was getting frustrated, but now he's kind of fallen into that like you know work on small things type of mentality, you know, work towards the future and yeah. don't worry too much because I feel he did actually put a lot of you know weight on his back in terms of the pressure of not winning because yeah. <clears throat> statistically speaking, this guy's a winner, right? So all in all, I think as his first year as captain of the Canadians, um, well, what would you grade him? What would you grade Suzuki? I mean, like, it's really tough, right? Because we're talking about some of the most the legends of the game. We're not in the locker room, but hey, we're in the business of making wild assumptions. What do you grade Nick Suzuki on his first year as a captain? Yeah, it's kind of lame to give him a C because he's already got one. But oh, I mean, I, <laughs> every dad right I think, now is like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I look like he's the situation that he's been put in is incredibly unique. Mm-hmm. Like we have never seen a Canadians team that has been so um, openly just saying we're not trying to be anything other than a basement dweller this season. Yeah. Right. Like. I know that they haven't come out and actively said, we are rebuilding, we're tearing this thing down, but it's blatantly obvious by everything that they're doing. There's been no captain who's ever been put under this situation. So, And he's the youngest captain in franchise history. Yeah. And not only that, like, you know, when he was named captain, everyone was like, oh, he's too young. Well, 
yes, in age, but like he's played in a Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Like he's he's played in a Stanley Cup final. He's played in playoff runs in a bubble. He mm-hmm. plays, you know, he's he's gone on Memorial Cup runs. Like he's played some very, very important hockey in his career. So, you know, I don't I never took the age to be any part of it. He's he's a different he's a different cat. Like he's just I, I've never been worried about him from a from a captain standpoint. So I guess, you know, I I, I give him a, a B for like just you know, the team's not revolting against him, you know, like like we've seen happen in the past. Yeah. Um because it's been a tough season. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, no, and he's he's handled everything really well. Um I'm I'm very much looking forward to him being able to take a break at some point. Yeah, me too. I kind of wish he had a, a break at the All-Star game. Okay, Jeff Boivai asked, what's with Yanni what Yan, Yan, Ninema? Because he's an All-Star, man. That's why I have Yanni Ninema up there. I want to get the picture print. You know you know which picture I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. The the Yanni. And I also the have, one. like, I mean, I have this nameplate too from the locker room. But, you know, we put stars up there. Andre Markov was a legend, but, you know, Yanni <laughs> Ninema. Now that is cult all right so oh we didn't even get to trading all our players but we'll have to do that in the next episode you know as johnny mentions here dadanov and dvorak have been quite good jonathan Dewey is actually their hottest scorer right now even though he didn't get a point the trade deadline is, is is coming soon so we're gonna talk about that in another episode unfortunately we ran out of time but against the flyers which i believe is thursday you know i should know my schedule we have a special guest actually former nhl referee dave jackson's going to be joining us uh you know i figured a flyers game would be fun to bring in a referee and you know what we we really criticize them a lot so it'll give him an opportunity to kind of defend himself and also it's going to be his son's first game as a linesman in the nhl so we'll get his reaction on that it should be very cool montreal native dave jackson nhl former nhl referee yes oh friday Thank you. Trizak knows my... <laughs> Thank God someone knows the schedule. Well, good. That means I can do something on Thursday. So it's Friday against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Ian, where can we find you? Yeah, find me on Twitter at maybe it's Ian, um, at RabbitHaps for the blog. Uh, the Build is available everywhere you find podcasts. For those not familiar, um, I'm recording a show that will go until the Canadians win a Stanley Cup and once they do, the show's over. So get in while the getting's good. All right, and that, and of course, I forgot to tell everyone to like the chat because I'm just terrible like that. I'm a thousand years old. Like the chat, subscribe, and all that fun stuff that my bosses tell me to do that I forget everyone every time. Salut tout le monde, um, and shout out to Colin McDonald from Nam. I'm assuming Vietnam, or it might be Nam Tucket. Maybe that's just a different way to, uh, to, to <laughs> you know, it's right beside Nam Tucket is Nam Tucket. But thanks for joining all of us. I'm gonna finish this off by trading Jake Allen to. Who am I trading Jake Allen to? I don't know. This is a tough one. It's going to go in the West. Which which Western team is Jake Allen getting traded to? Uh, I'll say the I'll say the the Oilers because it's funny. Yes, absolutely. They need seventeen goalies on their roster. Uh, shout yeah. out to James. Shout out to Colin. To Gianni. To Romelli, Noel, Claire, Paper Dolls. I'm missing a bunch of people. And Jeff, who hates the Ninema thing, but you gotta love the history of Yanni Ninema. Join us on Friday. We will be joined by former NHL referee Dave Jackson. ESPN referee uh, specialist. And in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us. This was fun. Make sure to like, subscribe, all that other fun stuff. Salut for now. I am Marc Dumont, and this has been Game Over. Game Over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.